Ladies and gentlemen, we could have been us, but this is the Fred the Alien Productions podcast. (laughs) 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 And then 5,000 tumblers cried out in terror. And there was suddenly silence. Suddenly silence. (laughs) And they picked up their pitchforks and and torches and say, <laughs> I saw him post some, he, po- he posted like an apology of like this is how many uh, asks I have in my box and at one point it was over 90,000 and the next time he posted it was over 100,000 he's like I'm not going to answer them all I'm sorry but thank you for your love hey <laughs> as a creator I'm a, I I choose to be on Tumblr <laughs> <laughs> This is Neil Gaiman, of course. Um, yes. This is how stories work sometimes. <laughs> anyway. But yes, we will get to that. Let's just cue the music. I don't know what we're yelling about. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Who is this? What's your operating number? Conversation anyway. Well, we're gonna have company. Loud noises. Hello. 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 I'm Kendall Richardson. And I am a man wearing new jumper and it's nice and toasty. I'm Michael Lister. <laughs> nice. And you're now experiencing a podcast called Fred. Yes, experiencing it through the mediums of the interwebs that we have that that is at our disposal. And we choose to use them. Uh, yes. X. <laughs> X. Marvellous X. X. <laughs> the bird is no more. It has ceased uh-huh. to be. This, the bird is dead. <laughs> it's expired and gone to meet its maker. Ah, <laughs> uh, the dead parrot uh. sketch rings on. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay. Um, yes. 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 Fully is not here with us this week, unfortunately. Um, as uh, if you. We're watching or listening to last week's show. She did say she was going to be away for a few more weeks now. Uh, unfortunately, but that's all right. Um, she's still here as usual in the notes that I have that I'm very excited to read out. Noted. Um, <laughs> noted. So without any more ado, let's jump into our weekly watchings with Folia's lovely paragraph here. She says, didn't watch much this week. Managed to finish off Breakpoint on Netflix. I always find it interesting to see the behind the scenes of the sporting world. You know, the mentality of the tennis players has really opened my eyes up to what they go through and the training they have to put in to get to where they are now. The amount of negativity and pressure that is thrust upon them is astounding and they have to find ways to work through all that. The one new thing I learned from this show is that there's a prestigious a prestigious tennis tournament at the end of the year known as the ATP Finals, where the top eight singles players and doubles teams of the tennis season compete for the final title of the year. 
If you are a tennis fan or a general sports enthusiast, I highly recommend checking out Breakpoint. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Fulia. Um, I, it sounds like it's the uh, drive to survive of the tennis world, um, so it could be worth checking out. Very nice. Thank you. Um, Michael. Hello. Hello. What have you been watching? Well, it starts off with the week of having a new episode of, of uh, Futurama. Uh, a very good one, uh, dare I say. Mm. And, yeah, uh, it's an episode that is um, is, is like a two-parter from a, an episode that is 20 years old. So, But they do, in fact, do a little uh, brief summary of the previous episode to actually keep you up to speed of where, where things are going. And that was mm-hmm. good. And, mm-hmm. yeah, a l- dare I say, a little bit of a tearjerker because it deals with uh, motherhood, really. Um, yeah, about one particular character, and yeah, I, I, um, yeah, sometimes it's really laugh out loud funny, and sometimes it tugs at your heartstrings. I mean, yeah, uh, Jurassic Bark comes to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one with Fry's but, dog, yeah, the the m- massive feels, yes, god damn yes. it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Why did we need to see that? <laughs> we don't want to see a dog dying of old age. <laughs> Waiting for his owner to come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But on a lighter note, anyway. um, other things have uh, started up. There's a new um, say reboot, I say. Um, reboot of Thank God You're Here. Ah, yeah, I have dusted off my um my antenna cable and I watched free to air television <laughs> for a long, not for a long time. It's like I so there's ads. What's this ads business? I don't want. <laughs> do not want ads. Do not want ads. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, me and the family just sat down and watched that, and it was a weird, bizarre. Experience <laughs> okay. watching free to air with my ki- children, as as God intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, Zelda, uh, who's me eldest, usually uh, she she loves the Mars Singer. She she just loves watching the Mars Singer and like uh, and all the um, shenanigans that happened there. And Ursula Carlson was actually uh, one of the persons actually in it, uh, and she yeah. I know that person. It's like she she's funny lady, uh, on the Mars Singer. So cross pollinization, and I watch it of course because Mark Bernardo is is uh, one of the Auntie Donna boys, and he was in that as well. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah. So uh, not a plug, but uh, if you've got ten play, you can rewatch it. Ah, great. Yeah. And uh, and Celia Picola is actually the uh, main person host. That's. She's the host. Yeah, she's the host, and um, uh, Glenn Robbins is uh, judge, ah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, not Tom Gleisner, which is weird. Not Tom Gleisner, but yeah. you know he's mm. he, he's doing he's doing. Uh, uh, have you been have paying you, attention? Been, yeah, have you been paying attention? So, mm. uh, and that will be on tomorrow. So I'll be watching that again. So, 
bit, nice. of, bit of Australian Australian stuff happening, and and yeah, it's it's funny. I I I really enjoyed it as growing up, so it's it's kind of cool that I'm getting to reintroduce it to my generation of children. So that that's good. Nice. Um, that's good. Also, um, uh, what we will be talking about late, later on in in, in popcorn culture. Uh, I finished, finally finished uh, Good Omens because I was mm-hmm. hesitant to actually finish it because, you know, uh, secret invasion happened and <laughs> I didn't want to finish <laughs> a season. And yeah, I actually quite like mm. the ending. Uh, I can see where things are going. So Good Omens is mm. good. It's good to me. Mm. I'm not sure about other people because, <laughs> you know, I'm not in that Tumblr atmosphere and, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, that you know, living living vicariously through through the mediums of fictional characters is not my my not my forte. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but having having seen that, uh, also saw what we do in the shadows, and <laughs> I like this episode because it all led up to the final five minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they just wanted them to be on. <laughs> On the news. <laughs> How do we get there? How do we get there? <laughs> thought, it was essentially that whole running up to that bit. <laughs> and I watched it again and again. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll pass it on to you, Kendall. Did you watch things that I watched as well? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I yeah, I watched um what we do in the shadows uh as well <laughs> this morning and yeah, laughed my ass off. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. I Nandor is too precious, too pure <laughs> for this world. Like protect him at all costs. What a what a what a fucking dimwit. <laughs> just adore him he's so he's so good and i just love the fact that like like nadja dyed her hair blonde and so therefore the doll also had to have blonde hair (laughs) (laughs) it was so it was just so good like every every single bit of it it was just fantastic like them and just i liked colin robinson's unhingedness of like going rambo yeah full rambo booby trapping the house and fucking just going like you know this is it this we knew this day would come sort of like he's been waiting for this opportunity yeah (laughs) he has a dark side he's a dark side yeah speaking of dark and then the the guy to fucking dyeing her hair dark Just because, as well, you know, because it got to, yeah, got to disappear. It's like, well, if they're looking for a blonde and a brunette, we just swapped. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just swapped. Oh, it was so, it was so funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. And then, yeah, poor, poor Guillermo trying to have a final meal with his family, and then, uh, yeah, it all goes haywire as well. But yeah, no, it was, it was a fantastic episode. It was, yeah, one of my favorites so far. Yeah, this season. A lot of I metaphors reckon. with that sort of um, coming to terms with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. social commentary. Yeah, yeah, social commentary, absolutely. Um, yeah, but it's very, very entertaining. Um, and yeah, and then uh, the other new thing I I saw this week because I I went and did Barbenheimer. Oh, yeah, 
yeah, I did you my saw... double feature. Oh, yeah. So you've seen Barbie. So you've seen Oppenheimer. Yeah, so I, well, I saw Barbie again, mm. actually, oh. as well. Um, yeah, so I did both. So I saw Oppenheimer Monday morning and then um, Monday evening I saw Barbie. Yeah. So they went back to back, but yeah. um, same same day, only a couple hours apart, really. Yeah, I did. Um, similar. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, Barbie, I will just say quickly, I, I didn't enjoy it as much the second time because I knew, you know, all the jokes, you know, all the stuff. Like, it's still a fun film and it's still very entertaining and I still got a kick out of it. And mm. I, I, I was mostly just enjoying the, um, my friends I was with, their reactions to certain jokes and stuff. New, um, new, it, it was great. Yeah. 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 And, but the crowd too wasn't as, there weren't as many people in the cinema uh, as opening night, obviously, so <laughs> it was a different vibe. Mm. But um, but it but it was it was still fun to watch. I'm glad I went and saw it again. Um, but yeah, uh, Oppenheimer was holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> it is holy crap. Holy crap! Holy crap! Wow. Um, yeah, I really liked it a lot. Um, like it's it's yeah, it's three hours, but it, it it's paced very nicely, so you don't really feel um you know, the time, I guess, there's enough going on consistently. There's just the, the, it doesn't really slow down much. Like it doesn't go too fast, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a moment to just let you breathe. It keeps you in this just, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the right word. Just angst, just this tension the entire time. Like I, I, I love the way Christopher Nolan uses sound. Cause like in this movie, he just, it's like the absence of sound in certain parts is just profound and um, very effective and affecting. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, it was just great. It was a really good time. I, I, I can't remember the last time I was that anxious watching a, a scene where, you know, uh, not to, well, it's, I don't it's to history. It. It's... We all know what it's about. <laughs> it's history. But basically the scene, the scene, where they're you know they're finally testing it um the build-up to detonation mm. was a master class in cinema because i i caught myself at one point breathe like not hyperventilating but i was breathing like very like oh god like heavily like i was on the edge of my fucking seat and i'm like i and we all know what happens but i just like just the build up to that moment that we've spent the entire movie, probably two hours at this point, because it doesn't happen right at the end, obviously. And just, you know, yeah, you, it just, yeah, I can't really speak. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, it was just was very powerful. Um, and then, yeah, just the, the, the movie was, uh, yeah, it was great. And uh, Killian Murphy was excellent. And um, Robert Downey Jr. was uh, a fantastic addition mm. in this a fanta- fantastic casting choice. I I really liked his character as well. Um, you know, I wondered sort of where they were going with the bouncing back and forth between the perspectives and the timelines and all of that. And and then it all kind of came together um, at the end. Um, yeah. I'm sure I have more to say about it, but I, I can't really think right now uh, other than to say that it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. And uncomfortable. Like Very, very. <laughs> There's some there's some very uncomfortable moments. Yes, and there movie. was one big uncomfortable scene that sort of definitely reminded me of uh, Doctor Strangelove, where, um, where they were talk, talking about um, what would happen uh, after the detonation, 
uh, and uh, in Doctor Strange Life, it's, it's like, oh, we'll probably lose like like ten thousand people tops. And it's like just offhand like comedy. It, Doctor Strange Life is a comedy, of course, because you can only do like yeah, <laughs> like that sort of shit, like in satire. And they, there's a particular scene in Oppenheimer that that sort of reminded me of that scene. And I thought, oh, I please, I I need jokes in this, please. This is this is too much. This is too much, too much. <laughs> and I thought, oh, and the sort of dare I say the choosing of their target. Oh, that scene, sort of going. That scene, yeah. I was just angry, pissed off, and I just wanted to yell and scream and. Blech. Yeah, I felt. I felt nauseous a little bit, to be honest. Mm. The way that the way that it was just like it was so well d- done, but it just the fact that it, uh, the the nonchalant nature and how they're speaking about you know where to bomb and and where not to bomb and and how many people are going. It's just like you're talking about killing innocent people, and it like it's not even. But then they're also tra- trying to justify it, and it's at the same time it's just you know. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a deterrent. <laughs> By killing yeah. people, then it wouldn't be a deterrent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yucky. That's why, that's why, like, you tack that onto the back of the scene where, like, after they, after they bomb Japan and Oppenheimer goes and he speaks to his team or, or students or whomever it is, I can't remember now, but there's a group of people in this, like, auditorium. And yeah, it's the people who were living there. Yeah, and then to make it look yeah. like a, a a town, so yeah, okay, yeah. But the way the way that that scene kind of plays out of like the way the room shakes and the way he hears himself speak, he can't believe what he's saying as he's saying it, but he says it, and it's just I, I ah. ah. Anyway, it was it was great. <laughs> mm. Mm. It's a very good movie. Uh, yeah, very very good movie. Um, yeah, and then I just you know have good omens to talk with you about <laughs> later on so um <laughs> the debrief <laughs> the debrief <laughs> we'll get to that very shortly all right that's the weekly watchings it's time now to dive on in to the week that was in the nerdy news This is the news in nerdy news. The nerds that talk about the nerdy news. That is us who talk about the news that is nerdy. And now the queen of nerdydom. The hostess with most S. Kendall Richardson. Take it away, Kendall. Okay. It's nerdy news time. Uh, and I hate to say it again this week, but we have to get sad for a, a couple of minutes here. Because uh, we not- lost another icon. This is icon after icon. That's leaving us at the moment. It's very sad. Mm. Um, another shocking passing. Um, Paul Rubens sadly passed away this week at the age of seventy. Um, he was battling cancer privately, um, and uh, sadly did not win that fight, which is just yeah. you know another big f you to cancer. Thank you very much. Um, for those who don't know. Uh, Paul Rubens by name, you will know him by the very famous character he played, and that is Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> um, a, a household name, an institution, uh, especially if you grew up in the United States in the 80s and the 90s. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I actually was reading about him. I didn't know he was part. He was part of the Groundlings in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he and He's been around Phil for Hartman ages. created. Yeah, they created Pee Wee Herman together. Yeah. So I didn't actually know that. So that was really cool to learn. Um, and that, yeah, he also tried to uh, audition for SNL and was unsuccessful. Um, but, um, but you know, he went on to have an incredible career. Um, and just, you know, we all, when we think of Pee Wee Herman, we just, you know, we, we see his cheerful face. We hear that voice, that laugh. Um, I love, I, I've always really liked the Pee Wee Herman voice, the way it kind of bounces between just like a sort of a normal but heightened speaking voice and then just something completely outrageous when he like he's raises his voice. It's just very yeah. clever. Um very entertaining. So um yeah, very um it's very, very, very sad that he's he's passed away. He also was known to uh you know known amongst nerds um and Tim Burton fans because obviously Tim Burton directed uh, Pee Wee's um big big adventure, is that the name? Yeah, of the movie? big adventure. Yeah. Yes, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, um, which was one of Tim Burton's earliest movies that he directed. Um, Dare I say I first? It might even be his first movie, yeah. Like feature? Yeah, like his breakthrough film. Definitely one, one of um, his first biggest. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and then uh, he got Paul Rubens to come back and play uh, uh, Oswald Cobblepot's father, uh, the Penguin's father mm-hmm. in uh, Batman Returns, um, so that was that was very cool. And then that uh, down the line kind of got referenced when um, Paul Rubens appeared in Gotham, yeah, um, for a handful of episodes, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then um, for me, um, and speaking of what we do in the shadows as well, um, he also played uh, a vampire in the Buffy movie, not the series, the movie. Um, and therefore was then involved in that council, the, the vampire council of all the uh, famous vampires that you see in season one yeah. of what we do in the shadows. Um, he was he got to reprise his his role, sort of, if you will. Um, <laughs> although all all those vampires went by their actual like actor names, which I thought was very Paul. Funny. Paul, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um it's very sad to see that he's left us definitely too soon. Seventy. You know, is is there was still some years there, and it, for him to go the way he did is very very sad. So, we will miss you, Paul, and we thank you so much for all your work. And you know, I think Pee Wee Herman is going to keep smiles on a lot of people's faces for many many years to come. So, mm. yeah, um, may he rest in peace. Um, Michael, do you have any thoughts on on the late Paul Rubens? I do. I really enjoy Pee Wee for. <laughs> Because uh, I watched, it, I didn't really watch it as a kid. Uh, I watched it as um, how old was I? I must be must be heading on twenties, so not really that demographic. But I definitely enjoyed the sort of uh, whimsical aspect when it cu- comes to it, and all the cheeky like you know, there's adult stuff in there as well, uh, quite clearly. And yeah, it was just a big shock when I when I heard that. I thought, oh no, and then just. Mm. Working it out that he he's been he's been suffering from it for for about over six years now. Uh, oh god! Yeah, so when he was doing his sort of semi comeback, dare I say, uh, because mm. there was a Netflix m- straight to yes uh, movie uh, Pee Wee's uh, Holiday, 
where where Pee Wee um, was on another road trip, uh, going to um, going to a, uh, New York for a, for a friend's birthday party, and yeah, and uh, I, I rewatched that and I thought, yeah, this is this is good. He he hasn't missed a beat. He's still <laughs> he's still like there are differences. Like he definitely can't really do the. The, like the proper voice anymore but it's still him like sure he's aged but he still has he still has that twinkle and it's, mm. and it's such a shame and yeah the batman thing I, I, uh i i just love the fact that that they sort of played homage to to the fact that he played um he, he played uh daddy cobblepot in both both versions and yeah it's just paul rubens and mm. yeah, he's been around for ages. He's he's also been like doing bit parts. Uh, he was in Mystery Men, uh, like yeah, yeah, just like little bits parts. I was like, oh my god, that's Paul Rubens. And he was also in <laughs> like Cheech and Chong movies as well. Like <laughs> yeah, all the way back then. Like he's been mm. around. He's been around. He's doing doing a lot of stuff. And then yeah, of course he had these little scandal. But you know, he was an adult enjoying an adult film, as yeah. as you tend to do in the, in the 80s because there was no internet and you couldn't jerk off in your own house. All right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, being a child, uh, a child entertainer didn't really help, but, you know, but doesn't really matter. And he sort of did his comeback in 2015, 16, uh, when, he, when he did, like, a, a live stage show and it was, uh, it, it was, it was like um, if the, it's like when the Wiggles were do, were doing like their uh, eighteen plus shows. It, it's for the it's for that generation. It's like yeah, we're right. wa- we're watching Pee Wee, but as adults, so we sort of get like little <laughs> subtle more h- hints of the innuendos and all that. So, and, and he did all that, and yeah, when, and that's where he got his diagnosis, and he just and he decided to keep it quiet, and it was like a small message that he actually sent out after his passing is like well i didn't it's like i didn't i didn't want to burden you with with this stuff i just wanted you to remember me uh remember me as i am and not and not and not be disheartened that i'm not going to be along for this world so he just kept it secret and yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a bit of a classy act i, I reckon for that bit yeah. yeah, especially when yeah, especially so when you're dealing with like you were a child entertainer and you were doing nothing. It's like you don't want, you don't, you're you're still entertaining like future generations and that and and it's just our generations like reintroducing. And I showed my kids like Pee Wee and they were just like freaked out. I was like, what what is this? What is this? <laughs> it's like this is this is Pee Wee. This is Pee Wee Herman, who who is the reason why we have SpongeBob. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> who begat? Who begat? You know, that Bible yes. passage. And, yeah, um, it, it will be saddened that he, he'll no longer be with us. And, yeah, and, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, it's just sad. It bummed me out. Oh, well. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, keep cracking on. Yes, we will. With the show. Um, I know you are, but what am I? A garbage man. A garbage man. A garbage man. (laughs) Mm. 
All right. Um, switching gears now, um, we've got some DC news that I thought was interesting to mention. Um, according to Gal Gadot... Is this a rumour? Um, it might be more of a rumour, maybe. Um, but according to her, she has said that um, her, James Gunn, and Peter Safran are working on Wonder Woman 3. Um, this is a movie that hasn't actually been announced. It was not announced as part of the upcoming slate of projects that James Gunn and Peter Safran are working on for the DCU. Um, they are, of course, doing a, a, a Paradise... I can't remember what it's called. Paradise something or other. Paradise Lost? Um, it's not Paradise... Or maybe it is Paradise Lost. Where is it? Probably not, I, because that's... Um, that's Lucifer falling from heaven. Yeah, no, it's probably not. <laughs> oh, actually, it is called Paradise Lost. Oh, my God. Okay. So they're basically ripping Paradise. off that, that 18th century poem. All right, fine. Maybe, yes. God damn um, it. Yeah, apparently, yeah, it's going to... The um, chapter one of the DCU Gods and Monsters starts with Superman Legacy, and then it also includes the um, Wonder Woman show that they're working on, but it's uh, about... Yeah, it's a prequel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Themyscira before... Uh, Diana came along mm. um, before so she yeah, was molded no... out of clay. Exactly before Zeus crafted her. Um, yeah, so but you know she's she's keen to come back. She's she's like I love portraying Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's it's so close and dear to my heart. Give me a and, job. You know it would it would be <laughs> give me a job. Give me a job. Um, it's like she's like speaking it into existence. I don't know. Um, I'm not fussed either way. Um. If they make another one or not, um, I, uh, yeah, I really don't. I, I'm so apathetic to this. I don't really care, to be honest, <laughs> if it happens or if it doesn't happen. We got two movies. One was definitely better than the other, although one I, one I kind of enjoyed more than the other, even though that was more problematic. But anyway, it had Pedro Pascal in it. Um, <laughs> so, but it did have statutory yeah. rape. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, prob- problematic. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was the eighties. What can you do? Uh, yikes! Of its time. <laughs> yikes! Of its time. Um, but yeah, I just found it really interesting that she's uh, yeah, she's quite adamant that it's it's going to be happening. But who knows? Who knows? The whole thing is just a messed up thing, and I, I that just even made me think of you know, Henry Cavill also thought he was going to keep playing Superman. He left The Witcher so he could play Superman, and then that didn't happen. So, grains of salt, ladies and gentlemen, grains of salt. Um, Michael, what do you think about this? Do you think she's talking out of her ass, or I don't know? What do you What do you make of it? Ah, uh, I don't know. There's different camps are going. Yes, the Snyderverse is still alive. Maybe no, no. It- it's. I, I think it's just hearsay. I think it's just shooting for the wind. I mean, uh, there probably was a time of trying to like get people's favorite bits and putting it in somehow. I mean, we still got uh, still got uh, Aquaman coming out maybe next year. <laughs> the way things are going. Um, yeah. After after four months of reshoots, yeah, this is crazy. Um, but we can't really, I can't really plan anything until the strike, strike is over and done with. Nope. But we'll probably talk about it in the next uh, segment, 
bit about that. But with Wonder Woman, um, hmm, yeah, I'm sort of here nor there. I mean, if they if they get in Gal Gadot uh, doing Wonder Woman, that's that's fine. I I, I enjoyed her rendition. Uh, but if they get someone new, then fine. I'm I'm not too not too fast. Sorry, I can't really add too much. I think uh, I think it's probably going yeah. to get out. There's like, hey, uh, give me a job. I can't do cameos for Fast and Furious all, all the time. I mean, that's finishing up, apparently. <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah, no. But I know there's a, a, a cameo for some reason that she turns up. It's like, oh, I thought she was dead. I don't know. <sighs> uh, I'll sit down to watch the Fast and Furious movies one one of the, one of these days, Alice. One of these days. Hmm. <laughs> Straight to the moon. Uh, yes. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on to our third and final uh, item then. Um, so let's take a look at Stephen Amell. Ooh. Um, yes. Who plays uh, or slash played um, because the Arrowverse is done, but he was Oliver Queen in uh, Arrow and the Arrowverse on the CW. Um, and... He was at a convention a few days ago uh, and said a few things regarding the strikes um, that were a bit um, untoward. Uh, they were taken a bit, uh, you know, as not 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 great. He basically the way I kind of read the entire thing is that he should have clarified him his statement at the time. And he should have thought better about what he was trying to say when he was saying it. Because um, he, he, apparently he said at this, so it was a Galaxy Con in North Carolina. He said, I support my union. I do. And I stand with them. I do not support striking. I don't. I think that it's a reductive negotiating tactic. And I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating. Oh, yeah. Um, what is... What is a good, good, good one except for like something that's actually disruptive and actually works? Uh, anyway, sorry for anyway. that outburst. No, you're fine. Please, please, outbursts are uh, are allowed on this podcast. Um, I he go he went on to say I think uh, that the thinking as it pertains to shows uh, like One I'm On that premiered last night, I think that it's myopic. Um, so basically he's just kind of, you know, him and I also found out today, Zachary Levi did a similar thing, has also complained about the striking. Um, but he said, what did he say? Um, oh yeah, well, this is his statement regarding his, um, this is Zachary Levi now. Uh, he made a, st- a statement that's being taken out of context. He said, it's come to my attention that an offhand remark I made in jest last week and it's being taken out of context. So let me be very clear. I fully support my union, the WGA, and the strike. I remain an outspoken critic of the exploitative system that is us artists are subjected to work in since I started my journey in this business 25 years ago. The strike is necessary to protect ourselves, our writers, and all those working production who make the industry move. Um, yes, apparently here he said something about how the like the restrictions that don't allow actors to talk about their work during the strike. Um, and he managed to find a way to talk about it that was a bit jerky. He was at a Manchester Comic Con. Um, he got, he said, I'm not allowed to talk about 
this is so dumb. I'm not allowed to talk about any of my previous work. I'm not allowed to talk about movies that I may be a superhero in. I'm not allowed to talk about TV shows that I may have been a nerd who worked at a Best Buy. I'm not allowed to talk about any animated princess movies I, I, that I was fantastic in as the best prince ever. This is him being f funny. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about those things. Um, yeah, so he, I, I... But he has he has express, expressed support for the past and the, uh, the strike in the past, apparently, as well. So, But yeah, Stephen Amell also issued a clarification on his um, statements, too. Uh, if I can find that. Sorry if you're offended. <laughs> <laughs> um, he made a really long-winded post on Instagram, so I'm not going to read all of it, but he sa basically he says, Understandably, there has been a lot of reaction to the comments I made about the strike to ensure there is no misunderstanding about my thoughts and intentions on providing what I actually said and clarity context to ensure my feelings are unintentionally misinterpreted. Um... He And then he went on to reiterate this statement that he also said at the con, which is, I support my union, um, and that his support is unconditional, um, and he doesn't... And then he went... Uh, about the whole thing about him not supporting striking, he said, but, uh, what this means in full context, I understand fundamentally why we're here. My off-the-cuff use of the word support is clearly contradictory to my true feelings and my emphatic statement that I stand with my union. Of course, I don't like striking. Nobody does. But we have to do what we have to do. <sighs> um, so, yeah, he kind of said, he's like, striking shit, but then like he's like, oh, actually, it's shit, but it's it's necessary. So it was just a little bit of a renege. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, he's trying to save Grace. But then he, he went on to make a lot of... Um, uh, what's the bloody word? He uh, self-deprecating kind of comments about himself, and he said he's gonna he's gonna join the picket line at, at some point too. So, I think he just kind of s spoke a bit. I don't know. Maybe he spoke his mind and didn't realize that the backlash was going to be so bad, and then he backtracked. I don't know. Wait, what? Everyone has a has a recording thing in their pocket. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck shit. <laughs> Fuck shit. Um. Fuck shit. So it's just, yeah, it sucks to see a couple of DC actors come under fire for comments regarding the strike, but it seems that, you know, it's it's going to be a blemish on their careers. But, um, oh, I don't but, yeah, know. Maybe, it's probably maybe, blink and you miss it. Yeah, sort of thing. maybe, yeah. I mean, Zachary Levi uh, still is, uh, <laughs> or he put his foot in his mouth for being an anti-vaxxer or some, some shit. Oh, yeah, that's worse. <laughs> Um, like, no, I was talking about yeah. Big Pharma. I was like, yes, we hate Big Pharma, but vaccines are fucking good. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I can't remember what I was going to say. But um, but basically, yeah, just be careful what you say. Yeah. <laughs> Think before you, you say. You goof, goofballs. Um, <laughs> Mike, do you have any additional comments? On this yeah. silliness, um, I learnt uh, a, a, a what do you call it a behind the scenes sort of thing. Uh, I learnt I uh, there's a particular meme that I actually quite like of uh, the guy who plays the Flash, and he and he's um, peace signal in front front of a uh, in front of a tombstone. Grant yeah, Grant yeah Grant Gustin yeah. I learnt the, the real reason why that is a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because apparently the the, the tombstone, uh, spoiler alert, but it's uh, Green Arrow's um, yeah uh, tombstone, 
And the reason and the reason why that that's a photo is because apparently Stephen Amell is a complete asshole behind behind the scenes, and everyone who was at that at that funeral uh, all posed in front of his tombstone because they fucking hate him. Yeah, I've I've um heard he's not apparently not the greatest dude, which <laughs> makes me very sad. <laughs> so when I heard about this, yeah. I said, "Oh, okay, I don't have to watch Green Arrow then." <laughs> but it started off the M- the the CW show because they tried to make him fucking Batman. Anyway, mm. so yeah, uh, I th- I think you know. He he had his he, he he had his like nose twinged a bit. It's like nah, get back in your place. We're doing this for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <Asshole. laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. It sucks. What else has he been so I can not watch it? <laughs> well, the show he was talking about he, that he wasn't able to promote was um, uh, Heels, which is on Stan. Um, and it's a, it's a, about, I think it's about brothers who do wrestling. So, cause Stephen Amell is very into, um, like he's been on WWE before, like as himself, like he's, so, he's a massive wrestling fan. Oh, he's one of um, them. Okay. And one of, yeah. <laughs> and one, when, when Arrow was still on and, uh, and popular and, and all of that. Yeah. They had him on like Raw or, or, or whatever it was, um, actually fighting in the ring with some of the actual WWE wrestlers. There's a whole thing. Okay. Um, yeah. So now he's made a TV show. That's sort of, sort of that, but, uh, and like, it's like a family story. Okay. Sort of. I, I don't know much about it. I've heard it's good, but I have no interest. In no interest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You do you, man. <laughs> Keep mouthing off. See how far you last. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, all right, let's move on. That's the nerdy news done. Let's roll on up to the trailer park. Rolling up to the trailer park where we all park all the trailers. It's trailer park time, and we've got three trailers to talk about. One in particular has me very happy, and it's why I'm rocking side to side, because we finally got our first trailer for Loki season two. Oh, is that coming out? Oh. Finally. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's coming. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Get. <laughs> Get excited. Um, <laughs> try. try. Um, Fulia's uh, reaction. I'll read first. She goes in all caps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I cannot wait for this season. It's going to be epic and good fun. Lots of timey-wimey stuff. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Yes. Well said, Fulia. Um, Yes. My thoughts exactly. It looks great. It looks awesome. It was a very cool trailer. I'm really glad it opened with a scene of them with Kihai Kwan's character and just, you know... No context for what the hell's going on. And then Loki starts to time slip, which looks very much like the Spider-Verse glitching, except it's like the MCU twist Yay. on it. Um, it made me, well, it made me think of that. And I wasn't the only one. People on Twitter, on Twitter, not Twitter, 
fucking Reddit. We're, we're, <laughs> sorry, no, yeah. Different platform, Reddit. People on Reddit were like pulling it apart and saying, ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. What's going on? Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks great. It looks fun. I, I like that they managed to still... I will say I only like I like it because um, it's going to be difficult for them because of the whole Jonathan Major situation. Um, mm. But they still like Kang, like Kang wasn't not in this trailer. He's definitely not in the trailer as much as he would have been had the whole issues not been going on outside of this thi- of of you know whatever. But um, he's still a presence in the trailer. Um, but mostly it's a kind of about you know what the hell is up with. What the hell is up with Loki and the fact that he's he's you know slipping through time and um, you know shit's going down and and you know the whole gang's back and I just want to know how like they kind of get to a point of because you know obviously at the end of season one you know Mobius doesn't know who Loki is because Loki's gone I can't remember was Loki in a different he was in a different timeline it was the timeline had changed because of Sylvie breaking the yeah time stream so yeah so i don't know um i'm wondering how yeah if that's the same version of mobius that we're getting in this series i have theories yeah yeah well i will ask you your theories in probably in 30 seconds from now (laughs) once i i stop flailing about this but anyway it looks really really good i'm really excited um i don't really have too much else to say other than yeah it's just it's almost here. It's great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, I did read a theory about how they could, um, if they wanted to replace Kang, just in case, they could ma- make Ravonna Renslayer um, the like, the one to do so. Uh, Kang variant. She, well, she did not even a variant. She in the in a, one of the comic runs, um, she actually does what Loki did to Odin in Thor the Dark World. Like, she, like, takes his place. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, and she becomes the new Kang, essentially. So, um, yeah. So they could even do that. But I don't know if they will. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I just hope it's good. It looks great. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Um, yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bundle of joy and mess and excitement. It's wonderful. My, Michael. My man's back. My man. My man's back. <laughs> my man. My man. Wow. One of one of my men. G- anyway, I got demigod. I've got, I've got yeah, I've got a roster of villains now. Uh, um, <laughs> what are your <laughs> what are your thoughts and theories for this trailer? Um, yeah, I really enjoy this trailer, and it's all it's all to do with time travel and and uh, fourth dimension breaking. Um, being fourth dimension of time, and yeah, I just re- I re- really enjoyed uh, Ken Wan Kwan uh, with his with his character of uh, of, of, of O, <laughs> which is Ouroboros, Ouroboros. Ah, uh, uh, clever. Yeah, because you got Morbius, which is a Morbius strip that bends into each other, and you got Ouroboros. That's the that's the snake, the snake, which is yeah. more um, Norse Norse mythology, uh, which is Loki. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's all to do with uh, timelines and all that. And ha- and uh, my theory is that uh, because Loki and Sylvie 
uh, were in uh, the final place, whatever it's called. Was it the void? Uh, yeah, the void. It, but it's I think it was called the it's void. beyond the void. It's that oh, like citadel. He who remains, yeah, his castle yeah. or whatever. So yeah. somewhere that's outside of time, and how they sort mm -hmm. of made that change, uh, and everything is changing uh, within the the other places as well as the um, the TBA uh, being still on a plane of a somewhat existence. And yeah, I, I I have a theory that Loki is sort of slipping, not within times, but sort of dimension times of all the strings that are going on at the same time. He's sort of slipping in between different different strings, but still still okay. in the same thing. So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. the um, um, uh, Spider Verse glitching because it's a different. It's a uh, a no, not a variant, but a a different dimension character entering an another another place and sort of glitching because there's there, there's not really anything tethered within within the within that di dimension. It, mm -hmm. It's all it's all to do with Loki sort of being a uh, I lack a better word, but a nexus being. Because okay, uh, but he's not because Nexus beings are the same in every in everything. That's why Kang is mm. is the same person and and the Scarlet Witch is the same person. But with Loki, he can be d different people. He can be Kid Loki. He can be Alligator Loki. He can be Richard mm. E. Grant. It should come back. Should go back. Yeah. Please, oh, no, uh, please. And also a a, a different uh, a Loki, but with uh, the same. The same looking Loki, but he's mere Loki, and that that sort of thing. So there's different elements and all that. And this particular Loki, our Loki, um, is actually slipping. So he's completely different. He's a he's a he, he's a different thing. That's because he's not meant to be there, but he was in a different area when the changes were were forming yeah i see what and you're now, saying and now he's come back and he's sort of yeah trying to between. <laughs> trying to live with the chaotic 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 strings of of different things so he's sort of slipping in between time relative dimensions and and all that yeah it's, it's very thinky <laughs> mm, and it would be it's very cool and it'll be very interesting of how they explain that <laughs> Mm. <laughs> uh, someone is got to have a a, a black a blackboard. <laughs> it's like this is an alternative 1985. You know that's sort of <laughs> and, and the old and the old old bending of the piece of paper and putting a pin through it. You know that yeah that thing. Yeah, you're not thinking four dimensionally, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it looks really interesting. I love it, and the sort mm, of uh, mm -hmm. uh, set set pieces that they have, uh, looking very interesting. And it's and this and where the MCU is sort of going within the sort of confines of uh, the multiverse and what's happening. Mm. Because I'm sick of uh, of other stuff. I just want I just want to settle with this. <laughs> like like off world, don't care. 
<laughs> on earth who really cares it doesn't really matter um <laughs> but something to do with the uh, not necessarily the cosmos but it's something to do with like dimensional ju- jumping and all that I, I i can't wait for that because i enjoyed loki the first time the first season and i'll hesitant to say i'll like this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, that's fair. I don't remember Loki having a final boss battle. <laughs> no. They were talking. It was a talking. It was a talking one. Mm. Yeah. And and yeah. And I want to see Morbius on a jet ski as well. Yeah, apparently there's like a blink and you'll miss it shot of jet skis. Mm. In this trailer. Loki lands in front of a jet ski jet ski school sh- shop. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't wait for that. Hell yeah. yeah. So this TV show is coming out, maybe. I don't know. Sometime. Some platform. I don't care. 6th of October on Disney+. Plus. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting sick of Disney now. Ever since the news of, oh, we're not doing physical media, it's like, you know what, fuck you. I'm going to get it anyway. I'm going to cancel my, my subscription. <laughs> I'm gonna be one of them old dads who's got like records in the basement. I'm I'm, I'm gonna have a fucking DVD store. I'm gonna be that a fucking DVD store. Yeah, you want to come to my, come to my library? <laughs> come come see my library. See my library, and <laughs> oh, that would be good. And and I will get I will get an old neon video easy sign just to, just to yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to be one of them. I'm going to be one of them. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Please. I That'd will. Be great. I will. Yes. All right. Our next trailer um, is uh, for a film called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. Um, Fulia says, I am very intrigued by this film. <laughs> I think I might be checking this one out. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to watch this one as well because I am very curious as to what the hell's going on because apparently it's based on a true story. Mm. Um, well, Nandor Fodor was a real person. Um, so, uh, and here he's portrayed by Simon Pegg, um, which is, you know, we, we love Simon Pegg. So very happy to see uh, him um, having a good time. Also happy to see Christopher Lloyd Yay. again. Having a good time uh, in this, so that's that's really cool. Um, but yeah, from what I what I gather, he's like this parapsychologist who uh, travels to see if this mongoose can actually talk. Um, and then apparently, the mongoose is voiced by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> so everything is coming up Millhouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I'm so intrigued. It looks it was a, it was a cool trailer. It doesn't show too much. It shows just enough and it was edited nicely and the cast is great and it looks very quirky and funny and suspenseful and odd and strange and I'm here for weird, so mm. why not? Why not? Plus the name Nandor Fodor is such a great name. I think that's just spectacular um so yeah i'm i'm gonna be checking this one out when it comes out for sure 
what about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm very interested in this because I like all the players in it, uh, including Mini Driver, who's doing a very mm. uh, interesting role. And mm. and yeah, it's uh, you don't really get to hear near gaming except for outside audiobooks. <laughs> so <laughs> so can't wait for that. And yeah, it just looks quirky and weird, and it's a period piece, and it's shot well, and it's you know it's it just looks good. I just, it just it, it, it's the sort of movie that would tickle my funny bone, and mm. and I need that every now and again, except for the dreary and then the dreary period pieces that I've seen late, lately. Oppenheimer that was a bit of a that was a bit of a sad one. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And it's kind of good that you actually saw um, uh, Barbie after because you probably needed a bit of a. An uptick. Yes, it worked well. Instead of thinking, oh, we just set a course for the human race to absolutely obliterate itself. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, guys. And I- yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's the f- fucking... When they f- they show the scene at the end of the movie between Oppenheimer and Einstein and you find out what they actually said to each other and it, how it ends with, like, you know, yeah, we kind of did blow up the world, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Reason why we have a uh, reason why we have a was was it the the death clock uh, close to nuclear yeah. nuclear uh, Armageddon mm. yeah we didn't have to but we needed a big no, we, we, we needed a bigger stick or else the enemy would have a big stick and we don't want that no <sighs> uh, yeah. Good times. Anyway, do you have any other thoughts on Nandor Photo? <laughs> Mongooses are, are like weasels, aren't they? Yeah. They're like ferrets and that. I, I always get that mis- mistake. I thought there was an actual goose when I was growing up. Yeah, I, I used to think they Yeah, I used to think they were a type of bird as well. But no. Yeah, it's just a type type of type of weasel. The weasel. <laughs> I suppose I could say when this is coming out because it, it, the um, companies aren't struck. So when is this coming out? Maybe. Uh, well, there's no Australian release date oh, for then this. Fuck it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out in the states on the first of September. Nandor, Fodor, and the talking. Mongoose. Oh, if the distributor is uh, Universal, fuck them as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, get fucked. Yeah. Yes. Cutting trees and ripping off p- p- walkways, you know, so they can't pick it, you know, fuck you. No. Oh, God. Just the actual. Get words. the absolute Any- fucked. <laughs> get the absolute. Get the absolute fucked. Yes, exactly. All right, we have one more trailer to talk about, uh, and this is one that Fulia has no comment on because it's a horror movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, this is the trailer, our first trailer for The Exorcist Believer. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to remain very cautiously optimistic about it. I'm not entirely convinced by this trailer that it's going to be, like, a smash. Um, 
smash or pass. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's very cool that they got Ellen Burstyn. You know, the fact that Ellen Burstyn is still with us is just wonderful. Mm. Touch wood. Um, but the fact that they've you know asked her to reprise her role um, from the original film. Uh, here in this is uh, is is great. Um, it adds a little bit of credence to what they're doing, and it's you know directed by David Gordon Green, who did the recent uh, Halloween updates sequels that brought back Laurie Strode. Um, and he's following suit here with this one because this is ignoring apparently the sequels to the original Exorcist, and, and this is just jumping straight uh, as a direct sequel. Wow. So it's a um, requel. It's yes, one of those, one of those. Um, and I, I like the twist of it being two girls instead of just one. I find that interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be a reason for that, or they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and is it like the same? Is it Pazuzu possessing both of them, or is there is there another demon, or what else is going on? Um, so I have a lot of questions. Um, that I'm not sure will get answered or not. But, but yeah, I'm just not convinced that it's... Well, this film is not entirely necessary at all because, like, The Exorcist itself is one of the greatest horror films ever By made. Itself, and yes. Yeah, and it still holds up. It's 50 years old this year. It still holds up. Um, like, I still watch it on the regular and it still scares the shit out of me and I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, and then I made the mistake of watching this... The Exorcist 2 last year or the year before, whenever it was. COVID was a long time. Give me a mistake. Um, <laughs> a piece of cinema. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is it is a film that exists. And <laughs> I don't actually remember much about it other than I kept looking at my phone because I was like, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't grabbing me. Um, and then I never watched the third one, but I heard the third one was okay. But I'm, 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 yeah, I'm burnt. I have no desires to go back. Um, yeah, so I hope it's good. I hope it's good. It looks there's some cool visuals in there, and I, and I get what they were trying to do with like have the little bits of the score, like throw in the original score into this new score with the trailer and whatnot, and to hype it up. Like, oh my god, it's the piano. Um, Tribula bells. <laughs> yes, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Cautiously optimistic. I yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll I'll, I'll check it out. But yeah, I don't know. Um, what are you thinking, like? What do you reckon? Mm, I don't know. I still haven't. Yeah. I still haven't seen the um the requels of the Halloween yet. I've heard first one's good, and it just yeah. slid out of focus in the other ones uh yeah i still haven't seen the second two because yeah i heard that they were not it was like oh as good that's a shame. but the first one the, the first one was very good though mm, mm. yeah so mm. i don't know I'll, I'll probably give them a chance but this one i'm i am a big fan of the of the original and all its uh and all its glory like it, it is like the uh cinema set piece of um 70s horror that that definitely Open the floodgate of of um, getting things like really shit scary, and mm. and all all its practical effects as well. And oh and yeah, a, and unfortunately, yeah, a lot of people did get hurt <laughs> in the filming of it. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! Oh yes, um, but so bad. Still, uh, you know, 
Peter Jackson, Sir Peter Jackson, always said, um, pain is temporary and film is forever. So, hmm. say that to my lawyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah, that's why people were on strike, goddammit. Um, yeah, goddammit. Yeah, so anyway. I, I like Peter Jackson. I haven't seen him in, I haven't seen him Good. in a while. Actually, I saw him in, uh, like I've seen him, oh, just going down the street. Uh, it was, <laughs> uh, you, uh, mm. have you seen uh, Muppet Mayhem? No, I still haven't watched yeah. it. Well, he's in that. Spoilers. Um, really? Yeah, just for a cameo. Huh, that's random. Yeah, completely random. I don't. I won't tell you when, because that was a good little okay. surprise. So I'll tell you he's in yeah. that. So. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Nice. Because he likes Muppets. And he's... Anyway. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Excesses. Yeah, I'm not going to watch this. It just looks dumb. <laughs> Amazing. I'm all over the place at the moment, <laughs> am I? That's okay. So am I. Too That's right. I love doing this at, at, at 8 o'clock. I just... I have my little coffee <laughs> and I can talk shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, it's the... It's what we do. It's the unhinged version of the podcast. Mm. Fred after dark. Yeah. So when is this uh, thing happening? Hmm. Um, I suppose. I don't know. 12th of October. In America. Just, we, just No, here. here. That's an Australian day. Okay. Yeah. 12th of October. Just in time for Halloween. Nah. <laughs> No. Uh, sorry. Not sorry. All right. That's the trailer park done for this week, which means it's it's time for the for the uh, segment. This the segmenting. Yes. The section. Yeah. The park. Yes. The place. Y- yes. The spot, the thing, the thing in the show we like to call. <clears throat> Pop. Crowley. Corn. <laughs> Aziraphale. <laughs> Cha. Yes. 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 Correct. It is. Um, it is. It's popcorn culture time. Um, and of course, we are here to discuss our thoughts on season two of Good Omens. Yes, they got dropped all at once. All at once. Yes. Uh, so, uh, full disclosure, we are going to be talking spoilers about this because, uh, you know, it's. I mean, yes, it got dropped all at once. It's been over a week. Yeah. We're just. We're, we're going to talk about it. Um. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Come back and listen or watch. Um. Us talk about it if you like to not be spoiled. So, um. Fulia has left like a, a, a huge chunk, which I'm so happy. She's. I've got like two paragraphs here that I can't wait to read. I'm going to do it right now. Um. And then we'll kick off our discussion. So. Fulia says, what an entertaining piece of television. Yes, correct. 
I feel like I enjoyed this season more than I did the first, to be honest. Okay, interesting oh, okay. opinion. Um, mm. <laughs> I was falling, <laughs> I was falling in love with Aziraphale and Crowley every episode I watched, and now we can ship them. Honey, people were already shipping them anyway. <laughs> She's not on Tumblr. Leave her alone. <laughs> and I have my thoughts about fucking shipping anyway, which yeah, I will talk no. about in my section. Good, good, good. I look forward to it. <laughs> Uh, it was weird seeing Gabriel the amnesiac, I must admit, uh, but I really liked him this season because he was a bit dumb and forgetful. Hmm. Jo- John Ham did a great job with this character. He didn't ham it up. Um, no, no, he he <laughs> he didn't go full ham. Um, <laughs> uh, we also got to learn about two new characters who are just regular humans with relationship issues. And the way Aziraphale had to take it into his own hands to make them fall in love with each other was pretty funny. It was also interesting to see how Heaven and Hell were all up in arms about Gabriel being missing. It had me thinking, well, I know why Heaven would be looking for him, but why is Hell on the hunt? But by the end of the season, you find out why. Speaking of, there was no real climactic ending. I mean, yes, there was a little bit of heartbreak, but after we find out that the Metatron wanted Aziraphale to take over Gabriel's position in heaven. He says he needs him for the second coming. I get it. It sounds very bad, but I felt like they dragged out the ending longer than necessary. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, The ending should have been at the heartbreaking scene of Crowley walking away from Aziraphale after that absolutely beautiful kiss between them. Beautiful? (laughs) That's fully his words. Okay. That's not the word I would. That's not the word I would it's use. Right. But I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> when I say I gushed over that moment so much, I mean it. Um, <laughs> and then proceeded to well up with sadness. To reiterate, I loved Good Omen season two, and Crowley is my favorite character. I must like the bad boys who have big hearts. Hmm. Anyways, great show. <laughs> Including the bad boys that commit genocide. Sweet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Folia. That was wonderful. That was really wonderful. I like all your reactions. Yeah, and I can't wait to talk to you in person. Yeah, you are it. so sweet. It's it's unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um cool. Well, um my overall thoughts on the on the season. Um I <laughs> I I I enjoyed it. I think I think season one might be better. I think, and I don't know if that's because it's the book, um, but and this is you know after the book. Um, I don't know if that's why, but I know there's just something else about season one that just had this whole you know it was the it was the end of the world. It was the apocalypse. It was this whole thing um, about Armageddon and 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 trying to stop it and the you know an angel and a demon working together to, you know, save the world, basically. Um, there were, the stakes were a lot higher mm. in the first seasons, and the stakes in this season were not as high, it felt. And I, for my money, I think they took too long to get to the Mickey, to, to explain what the fuck was going on and why. Like, I, know, I mean, fair enough, 
you know, save your reveals for your final episode. But I don't know. The way it was all kind of plotted and paced out, I kept was like, I was, where is this going? Where are we going here? And then I, when we did get the answers as to why, um, or, you know, what happened to Gabriel happened to Gabriel and why they, you know, heaven and hell were looking for him. I was like, ah, I wasn't expecting that. That's nice. <laughs> but sure. <laughs> didn't really, mm. didn't really blow my socks off. It was as Folia said, I think at one point she said it was a little, uh, there, there was no real climactic ending and she's kind of right. Um, in that sense. Um, but yeah, but so the story, the story was interesting. It was entertaining enough, and I and they, I liked how they worked in. We still got to have those moments of seeing Aziraphale and Crowley go, you know, at different points through history. You know, the start of the show begins at the beginning, essentially. Um, in the beginning, at the beginning, in the beginning, Genesis, um, Genesis, the creation of the universe. Um, so you know, I, I like that we still get to do that and. My favorite moments of the show are just the, watching the two of them, like whether together or separate from each other. Just Michael Sheen and David Tennant are just <laughs> spectacular are. in this show. They're just they're just so good. Um, but because okay, no, I didn't have I didn't have the ending spoiled for me about you know Az- Aziraphale and Crowley and you know their kind of. You know, well, Crowley's confession of love, essentially. Um, I didn't have that spoiled for me, but I kind of gathered that's where it was heading, mm. based on the the clues. You know, the clues and the whispers from the interwebs about certain things. I'm like, oh, I, I think I know where this is going, um, and I was very excited about it. And for me, that whole from the moment that Aziraphale, I will talk about it more later, yeah. but basically from the moment that Aziraphale walks in to tell Crowley what the Metatron has offered him, um, that whole sequence, I was clutching my pillow, like, yeah, like, oh God, what's going to happen? It was so well done. It was so well written and acted and just it was perfect. I loved it. But for me, that made the season. Everything else mm. was... Oh yeah, this is fine. But that ending, yeah, was fucking sick. It was great. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much my overall thoughts um, on this show, <laughs> this season. Uh, Michael, what about what about you? How's season two sitting with you? Yeah, I was sort of similar to you. Like, like I was wondering where this is going because I was a bit nervous because yeah, the first season was the the entire book of the first book and. There, yeah, there was like, uh, like Neil and Terry Pratchett actually had sort of ideas of like a sequel, of where where mm-hmm. it could go, uh, but nothing really panned out, uh, especially when Terry was still alive. Um, but now, uh, uh, yeah, but while watching it, it's like, where's this going? Because like, yeah, the first first season was. Um, the biggest stake that you can ever do was the the stopping of the entire destruction of the entire world, uh, especially mm. with Earth um, and all its beings, including humans. And I'm pro-human at some some points. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes I couldn't really care less. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and coming into this is like, oh, it's a detective story of uh, why is Gabriel on Earth naked and no memory? And, yeah, something to do with flies and that. Uh, and, yeah, so it was it was more of a self-contained story because basically, yeah. it, was, basically it was set within that street of where the bookshop is. And, mm, and mm-hmm. the only adventure was going to Edinburgh. And I love that. And I love that, uh, going off the adventures to Edinburgh and all that. And mm-hmm. and just coming mm-hmm. back. And, yeah, it was just... It was more contained, more more um, emotional-driven, character-driven and all that. And I didn't really expect it. I thought, oh, okay, this is definitely different um, of where it's going to go. And, yeah. And when the ending became the ending of... It turned out to be uh, an allegory for for people who uh, weren't meant to be falling in love, and they fell in love, and and that's their choice. And then, yeah, and stuff happened. And I thought, oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. And it definitely opens up for a third season. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge gamble because I haven't heard if they they actually been renewed for a third season. So. It's, there's definitely there's definitely room for that, and if if it comes to pass, uh, I think Neil Gaiman has actually said, well, th- the third th- third there there is a there's there's more story to t- to tell, and that could be uh, in the form of anything. So hopefully there's a there's a new season coming out because if this is what we get, a lot of people are going to be really pissed off. <laughs> and if it turns into like I don't know another book or so, there be it. And uh, essentially, this season is sort of a bridge. Mm. And nothing, nothing better than having three seasons and and calling it quits because you know it's biblical. It's yeah, biblical, you know, the power of three, and that's and that's mm-hmm. all there is. So overall, uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, not as good as the first season because no. because there was more there was more in that and mm. and this was and this was more uh, mellow more mellow viewing and very easy to to, to digest but um, it makes me look forward to what comes next. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's that's the trouble. It's like. Do you do you want like a consistently good sh- story throughout the whole thing, or do you want a show that's just fine and then hits you with an ending that makes you go, "Oh, season three is going to be really good." Yeah, that's um, probably the th- thing yeah. I, that n- marks it down for me. It's like mm. it's like this is sort of the, the season that we need to get to get to the actual story. Get yeah, and yeah. Which is yeah, it's a little disappointing when you when we put it like that. But this, you know, we it's not to say we didn't enjoy it at all, of course. But um, but yeah, um, cool. Well, um, just to break things down a bit, I, I was gonna go through Folia's uh, comments to pick out topics, oh, yep. and um, I think uh, maybe we'll just start with um with Gabriel, considering he's the inciting incident. <laughs> Of this whole of this whole thing, everything was fine until you know he started walking down the street naked, holding yeah a box. for the hero's journey. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
it's uh, it's nice to see John Hamm back in this role because um, yeah he does a very good job. He's very charming, very funny, and he's very good at playing a dick. So I'm glad that we still mm-hmm. we still got a little bit of uh, Dick Gabriel in in that um, flashback to Job. Um, that was quite uh, entertaining. I liked I liked that episode a lot. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite just the way he played this very like wholesome sort of version of himself that's just not understanding anything like especially in that first episode when he's trying to figure out who he is what his name is and how like you know he drinks hot chocolate for the first time and it's like <laughs> life-changing for him i i yeah I, it was very very wholesome very adorable um and yeah he played it really really well um but yeah the whole the fact that he was like the kind of the mystery box of the season was interesting cuz like i said before i feel like I would have liked answers sooner or, or at least more dregs of answers. Like it was very much the way it was all kind of dragged out was a bit like, I don't know. Um, there was a thought I had, um, because like, you know, we get the whole side quest to Edinburgh thing with Aziraphale and, you know, how he figures out the song and we go to the pub and, and all of this and, but then it doesn't really lead to anything. No. It only kind it only kind of comes back around in this last episode when we see not not zero fail sees, but we the audience we see these flashbacks as Gabriel is remembering everything. Yeah. Um, so I found that a very interesting choice to make as uh, as to like you know you know, cause Aziraphale is so excited. He's like, I have a clue and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to, you know, do this. And he's so adorable and I love him. Um, and, and yeah, and then it just, for it to not really go sort of anywhere, I don't know, was interesting, interesting choice. I don't know. What do you, what do you make of that? Do you think I'm, am I onto something here or am I missing no, something? No, no, maybe? no. Um, that's why I was thinking that this one, it was very mellow. It, it treads water a lot. And, uh, it, it's more to do with focusing on, uh, in a way, in a way, the interesting bit is trying to find out what where Gabriel is coming from, but but they mm. do a lot of like more to do with sort of relationship between uh, Crowley and uh, Aziraphale, and and just intersplicing with that and and so yeah, it's. It's yeah, it's kind of weird to 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 explain, or even trying to um, come up with reasons why. Uh, should we like care if this is happening or not? I mean, mm. suppo- mm-hmm. supposedly this is supposed to be the intriguing bit, but we also got the side quest of um, try- trying to get the record lady and the and the coffee lady like. To fall in love, and they got their own thing. It's like uh, I, I, I like the fact that that in the first season there was a lot of um, there was a lot of pokers in the fire, but uh, and but they all lead up to something. But in this one, they mm. they don't really have much of a connection. I suppose the connection is probably love. 
Yeah, which you don't realize until the end. Yeah. Like you said, you were saying before. Like I feel like yeah, you the it, you think the show is going to be about Gabriel and what the hell's going on with him, but then it turns out that what we thought was the B plot was more of the A plot, where it's like it's just these three couples essentially, and and ah, their journey three. to yeah again three um yeah their journey to like loving each other realizing they love each other and and what kind of form that that takes and then that it doesn't have to have a happy ending like gabriel and beelzebub get a happy ending um but you know nina and and maggie Mm. have a very realistic approach to it of like you can't make us do this we're not your playthings and i'm not ready to be in a relationship because i just got out of one and the fact that they're mature enough and adult enough to understand that. And then you have Aziraphale and Crowley who are just both... I saw one post on Tumblr that talked about them both... Both, they love each other so much that they're both like... They can't... They're, they're both trying to protect each other from, from you know, hurt. any from anything yeah. at, all, at all costs. Like, you know, like Crowley says, you know says no to, to Aziraphale's offer of going to heaven because, like, how the fuck... Why do you want to go to heaven after everything? How can you be so stupid? You can't actually do this. Like, that's that's not going to end well for you. And, I, you know, you need to stay here with me. And, and then, also... By the same token... I was just going to say, by the same token, Aziraphale is like, but if you come to heaven, I'll be in charge. You'll be my number two. We can be together and we can actually make some change around here. So, yeah, it's all very interesting. And where Crowley is coming from is like, well, no, the reason why I left, some of the reasons why I left um, heaven, because we're going by fallen angel uh, logic, is that the reason why is Mm. because I wanted free will. And that's sort of the reasons why he wanted to leave. And it would probably, and yeah, it probably hurts Crowley that Aziraphale thinks... Well, you, the, he, he, yeah, it's, Aziraphale is very naive in in his sort of planning Mm -hmm. and he thinks, well, everything can be going great and he's, and it definitely hurts Crowley that, um, that he's realizing that Aziraphale is naive, but also he doesn't think that there are reasons why he left it and mm-hmm. he thinks that he, his sole reason is to get back to back to heaven which he didn't want to do and that's where the sort of the eternal shift when uh Isaac, um Aziraphale comes back in as like, I got this I got this great great plan and and then Crowley says and you told him to get stuffed right and and that's mm. when the t- turn is like oh, oh, we are on completely different ra- wavelengths at this present time. Yeah, and we can't really. And mm-hmm. I want to have this relationship, but we can't have this relationship because because you want something that I don't. And it's 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 what relationships are. That's and yeah, and in a way, it's kind of amazing that they're actually doing doing like this sort of relationship where it's got nothing to do with sex it's got nothing to do with like like it's it's a form of romanticism that is very rare especially with today's audiences uh, because because angels don't have gender really 
So I I have heard from a a thing that I saw. I, I think it was on TikTok or something about someone who's ace, asexual, uh, loves this sort of representation of ace. Because a lot mm. of people think, well, if you're ace, you're you're stunted, you're 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 you know, you have no uh, you have no affection, you have no emotion. It's like that's far from the truth. When when mm. this is sort of a romantic ace relationship, because there's no there, there should be no real like um, hang-ups or sexual hang-ups or anything like that. And you can only do that with like angels that have these emotions, but they in lack of a better word, don't have the genitals to, to have their persuasion. <laughs> and and that's, yeah. what, that's, re- that's why I thought, yeah, this, like you said, that the last couple of minutes of the last episode sort of made, made the uh, season, like for me as well, it's like, oh, that's what they're doing. Okay. And yeah, it does get me excited for the next thing, but it surely it shouldn't take like six episodes of <laughs> to, to get there yeah and, and i suppose that, yeah and that's the real criticism that I, that i have it's like yeah come on get to the fucking monkey <laughs> we, we want to yeah, see king kong yeah i mean uh a lot of people go into these uh, go go into this uh show for different reasons like I am not there for the relationship between uh, uh, Crowley and uh, and Aziraphale. I'm there for the blue, uh, um, biblical a- aspect and how that's sort of making mm-hmm. it's sort of making fun, but it's also not because it's being faithful to the actual uh, Christian um, doctrine and the the, the mythology of uh, Christian doctrine and. Mm-hmm. And uh, the added bonus of just seeing these two characters that really that that you can really enjoy, like liking and seeing the sort of relationship blossom, is 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 a is a bonus. But they sort they sort of took the um, the deep and heavy stuff, like the satire stuff, uh, away from this, and they just focus more on the relationship between these two characters as well as relationship between the other ones and. Uh, mm. Yeah, and it was something that I did not expect to to watch. That's why I was sort of worried about the last episode. It's like, am I not going to like this? I don't want to not like this because I enjoyed the first season and I, I'm enjoying watching it, but it's not sort of tickling my sort of, you know, my thing. It's not tickling my thing, if that's, <laughs> if that's, mm. if that's the thing. My, yeah, yeah, and that's my roundabout way of saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, my gosh, um, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> that's alright. Um, um, we can fo- focus mm. more on like episodes and that. Like, I like the two, the the sort of two parter with the um, the the blitz bombing. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool to see. Like, oh, we're going back to some events of season one, and you know, and then it's getting brought back into, you know, this storyline. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, like, I I just kind of like the like I I love the way 
f- fiction and and especially like when you get to see it in like a show or a movie, like how they kind of visualize what hell is like or what heaven is <laughs> like in terms of what happens, yeah. what happens to your, uh, you know, to yeah. your soul when you when you you go and stuff. And I I really like the way they kind of played around with that in that episode, and then the fact that they're just. There are zombies that have come back, but they're not traditional zombies in the in the sense of like they're mindless, like they can still talk, but they have this obvious desire to eat brains still. Um, and then you have <laughs> Zero Fail trying to put on a magic show on the West End, you know, to make up for the the all the broken bottles. Um, yeah, it was that, that episode was a lot of fun. Yeah, good little non sequitur. It was good when it comes to. When it comes to the entire thing, it's like, why? Uh, I'm enjoying it, but why? Why? <laughs> yeah, why are we? Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. Like, because it, it didn't even really pay off that much afterwards. Like, because you know, you had um, what Shax and that other demon. I forget his name, mm. but they like sort of come to a partnership in that episode, and then we don't really see it pay off so much at the i think they kind of reference it at the end the last episode when you see the two of them when like we realize that Shax might be taking beelzebub's place and then she says to her demon friend that you know maybe something could happen and they do a little fist bump or something i think from memory um so that was kind of the only really kind of payoff but it was an entertaining episode i suppose uh it's just the added um relationship between uh, Crowley and Aziraphale is like uh, Aziraphale mm. puts absolute trust in Crowley mm. because I don't know if uh, you can kill an a angel with a bullet or not. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? <laughs> but it's it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how mm. it's it sort of set yeah sort of setting up the sort of heartbreak at the end. It's like someone that you completely trust. And yeah. Besides not Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. No, that was, that, that's, that was a lot of fun. Um, I did, I did enjoy the whole, like the episode before that with the, you know, even though, you know, like I said before, the whole side quest at Edinburgh didn't really lead to too much, but I liked the flashbacks of, Aziraphale and Crowley, uh, you know, being in that, you know, Victorian era Edinburgh mm. and, and, mm. and the whole the gra- and the whole grave digging and, and for for money and and then Oliver Wood is a doctor <laughs> in this <laughs> for reasons. I I <laughs> I thought that was quite yeah. funny. Um But it was that was a good that was a good episode. I really liked the way like the, how they kind of showed like with the Job stuff, like Aziraphale and Crowley, like they had one, there was one dynamic and then you get to here and then the, the dynamic shifts. Like Crowley, Crowley lets a good thing happen and then, or, oh wait, no, Aziraphale does a bad thing and then they, and then it gets reversed and Crowley does a, does a good thing from memory. I yeah. Think. I think, yeah. So I thought that was, that was fun. Yeah. With that, um, Victorian area, uh, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, sort of thing. Uh, there's a movie mm. that came out not too long ago called Birkenhair. Have you've heard that one? 
Yes, I have yeah. heard of it. Uh, very good. It's got Andy Circus and Simon Pegg. Hey, we talked about Simon Pegg in this episode. Everything's connected. Hey, uh, yeah, it's all, and it's all it's all about um, the same thing. Like, um, like Edinburgh was far like hugely like um, uh, influential when it came came to like uh, learning bottom uh, body autonomy, sort of in there in their universities and that and these, the only way yeah. to actually do that is to get fresh cadavers and and uh bergen Hairs, uh, was like notorious for like doing that sort of business like underground thing and yeah and one of them got caught uh, well they both got caught oh. and, and here nor there uh, it's history so uh, and and yeah so and that's fun. Uh, and that's a fun movie too. It's very dark humor in, in that one. It has to be because it's dealing with death and and all that. Um, yeah, so I definitely enjoy, enjoyed that aspect, and especially when Crowley drank arsenic. <laughs> oh, that was so was funny! Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I love that. No, yeah, I just the, the idea that like poison would be like alcohol to to a demon i i, I think that was or a class cool. a drug at best and yeah and I, yeah <laughs> i love i love 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 when a, a uh, an actor david tennant who is who is scottish and has got a scottish accent yeah, yeah. deliberately does a very bad scottish accent <laughs> i just love that <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hi, Nicole. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. that. And also yeah. with the Job thing, I sort of went. I sort of went. Oh, hello. <laughs> because the guy who plays Job is is Peter Davison, and he is the fifth Doctor. Oh, really? Yes. And it's and it's <laughs> extra funny. Because Peter <laughs> Davison is is uh, uh, <laughs> is father-in-law to David Tennant. Yes, that's right. And oh, I know where you're going. Yeah. With this. Okay. And the and the other yeah. joke of uh, uh, Georgia <laughs> Tennant, who's uh, George, Georgia Moffat, sorry, uh, was uh, in Doctor Who as the Doctor's daughter. Because uh, she mm. is the daughter of David uh, is is the daughter of Peter Davison, and that's where they first met um, uh, Georgia and David, and they uh, had a relationship, got married, and had kids, and they had a daughter. So the doctor, uh, so the doctor's daughter, uh, had a doctor's daughter. So the doctor's daughter is the doctor's daughter. And the doctor is, is father and 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 grandfather to the doctor's daughter, as well as the grandfather's uh, and as also the daughter's grandfa- uh, granddaughter, who who is also Susan. So there you go, and that, and the whole thing <laughs> is connected. Yes. Did I mention yes. that England is a very small country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> But then, yeah, and then freaking um, his stepson Ty was was the son of Job as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, which is very yeah. interesting. 
<laughs> Very interesting. And, and also yeah. ties in um, Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, yeah, because he was in um, Game of Thrones. He was the young young Aegon, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Younger Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. Who is who? Who is Not the nephew of Matt Smith? Who is the eleventh Doctor? And everything's connected. It's all yeah. connected. It's all crazy. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> did you enjoy that? While we're talking on Doctor Who, did you enjoy that? Um, reference to whatever the 1965 annual that was never published and all of this. Yes, like. yes. And I did enjoy David Tennant like sitting in the background and they just shoot to him for no apparent reason. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was cacking myself. I'm like, That's fantastic. Because I don't know if you know, but Neil Gaiman is a huge Doctor Who fan. Oh, Yes, really? and also wrote um, an episode of Doctor Who with Matt Smith. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about uh, um, the soul of the TARDIS uh, being inside of uh, a, a person's body. So the Doctor is interaction with the TARDIS who can speak back. Mm. Very Neil Gaiman. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. So he's a big, big Whovian himself, and he definitely sprinkles a lot of Doctor Who stuff as well. You just need to find it. Like in the first season, I'm actually rewatching the first season of uh, Good Omens, and mm. I can't remember his name. Damn it! Uh, the guy who can't, uh, the guy who is the descendant from the witch finder, who can't, who who is bad at technology. Ah. Uh. Yep, I know exactly who you're yeah. talking about, and I can't remember his name either. Yeah, so the, yes, fir- the, the first time with that we see him, he's wearing a tie. And that tie is the same string of colours of the fourth Doctor's uh, scarf. So he's wearing a fourth Doctor's tie in that. That's yeah, great. So everything's connected. <laughs> everything's connected. It's all it's all coming up yes. here. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that was... That was cool. Um, um, I want to talk about the like the other supporting characters for a minute, I, just to really so I can say that I think Muriel is just a spark of joy that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> <laughs> like at first, I thought she was a little irritating, but as it went on, like the sequence where she first goes to the bookshop to pretend to be a real human police officer uh, <laughs> was it was so it was so good like her delivery on everything was so great that smile that she has is just ah oh, it's wonderful um and i just yeah i just adore everything about her like she's just happy to exist you know, she's happy, like, oh, I get to finally be a part of the story. You know, I'm not just some <laughs> random angel doing, you know, sitting at a desk waiting for someone yeah, to come up heaven. to me every hundred years. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I just, I thought. She, yeah. She gets to do field work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she gets to do field work. She's just, yeah. Bless her. She's just so good. And um, yeah, the fact that. I, I was expecting more of a reaction out of a zero fail when the Metatron was like, and we're going to have Muriel look after your bookshop while you're gone. Um, mm-hmm. Cause yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I thought she was, I thought she was great. 
Do, um, did you have any thoughts on Muriel? Um, she didn't really touch the sides of me. It's like I, I re- yeah, I really enjoy the sort of interrogation, but not really interrogation uh, with with mm. uh, and Crowley and <laughs> and her having a cup of tea. He's like, it's okay, I'll mm. just hold it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very bubbly and very exciting, and yeah, mm. um, she. Yeah, she she didn't really. Yeah, hmm. she's a character that didn't re- that didn't annoy me. I I just enjoyed the ride with her, and she, mm-hmm. that she's sort of experiencing Earth for the first time. Um, mm. definitely a good um in uh juxtaposition to to the rest of the angels who've been on Earth uh, off and on for ages, especially and mm. <laughs> not. Not quite getting it. I, I like those sort of characters, sort of outside of their comfort zone, but really enjoying being there at the same time. Yeah, and and that's sort of the um, uh, stuff that I like. It's it, it's definitely it, this character is definitely uh, inspired by like Terry Pratchett. How it's sort of outside of its own uh, laws of that. Uh, the own the like the main story has its own set of rules like Earth's uh, Earth and and uh, uh, what am I talking about like the um, like the laws that have been set up within the story and how this uh, mm. character is sort of outside of that sort of making f- fun of it but it's also being very endearing and just I- enjoying it and, and I do love the sort of um, Making fun of the rule, rules that you've already make. It's very, it's very Joe Dante. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very but, true. Funny enough, um, not to go on a tangent, but uh, Gremlins was on TV <laughs> yesterday, and uh, I put it. Uh, it's like smack bang. It's like, oh, this is Gremlins. Like it's the first one. So, as like, and the kids watch watch it. It's like, Dad, this is scary. It's like, oh yeah, it is. Shit, sorry. <laughs> So, yeah. So, yeah. So the kids know what gremlins are. <laughs> so. Oh, good. Good. Don't feed them after midnight. How does that work with time? You know. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. It must just be localized. And, yeah. And don't get them wet. <sighs> don't but get them wet. No. It's snowing. And they're walking in snow. Hmm. What sort of moisture are we talking about? <laughs> All the way water, or is it just ice? The rules don't make sense. Anyway. The rules don't make sense. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk about Maggie and Nina just quickly, just to say that I I really enjoyed them, and I thought, like, similar to Muriel, Maggie was very sweet and wholesome and adorable. Um, um, and yeah, I kind of liked how they're kind of, I don't know, they sort of had a very natural sort of a bond that, um, you know, that Nina knew was there, but she was denying it because, you know, she was you know still in a relationship with, with, you know, with this woman named Lindsay, who's just not visible except for these really clever pieces of visual mm-hmm. cues, like the notes and the, I, I really liked the chalkboard bit. I mean, she's like rubbing off the chalkboard and then the text from 
Lindsay appears saying that she's, you know, left her the keys and whatnot. Um, I would have liked to have seen how I had that a bit more expanded upon. I know this isn't the show for that, but it was very, like, there was no, like, I just wanted a conversation of, like, why is Nina with this woman who's clearly overprotective and, and, and possessive and, and clearly not right for her? Like, I, the, I don't know, it was weird that they didn't really explain it properly. Mm. But, I mean, obviously they were just setting it up for, well, obviously it's not going to work out. They're going to break up at some point. Um, and we can't, we don't want to have, you know, because of who Maggie is, there wasn't ever going to be a, a moment of, like, oh, infidelity or, or, or whatnot, no. I think. I'm really, so I'm really glad. I'm really glad they didn't do that. Um, and, I, and I did enjoy watching um, Crowley trying to get, the whole, you know, the rain and um, <laughs> that kind of a romantic moment happening, forcing it on them like that. The Richard Curtis movement. With a zero. <laughs> yeah, Richard Curtis. <laughs> so good. Um, that was great. And then a zero fail with, with the the um, the traders meeting that turned into a, a Jane Austen ball that everyone was just <laughs> going along with because it was uh. it was great. It was great. Um, so yeah, so it was nice that, 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 the you know, once you get to the end of the season, you realize like, cause one of the things that Folia said to me when, cause we ended up watching the episode together, um, last week, um, at the first episode and, you know, she, one of the things she said when they were, you know, t- focusing on Maggie and Nina was like, why are we spending so much time with these ladies? Like, what's what's going on here? So I, I'm really glad it kind of became clear by the end what the purpose of it was. Um, and I'm just really glad to see that more just normalization of queer romance yeah. <laughs> in this. Like, we, you know, two women and two men and, you know, things are complicated and, and that's yeah. okay. And, you know, it, it wasn't fetishized. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't any... Queer baiting. There wasn't any. No. You know, one of them's get one. The one of them's gonna die. Like none. None of those like awful tropes that um, queer narratives seem to fall into. It was just here are these two people, and here here is an angel and a demon, and they just happen to you know be presenting or identify as the same gender, yeah. and and that's a totally but, fine. You know. Um, yeah, great. I will mention with the queer baiting stuff. Like um, Neil Gaiman has said on record that um his stories especially with salmon coming out that he he's definitely expanded upon his sort of knowledge and that uh, and understanding because yes he is a straight white man who's writing for um writing characters that aren't in his wheelhouse and i think think the some of the reasons why he's on tumblr and all all that so he can actually have like that sort of feedback uh, of what yeah. uh, what um, these sections of the community uh, go through. That that's why um, I I sort of applaud him for that because I'm a little bit too scared of doing that sort of thing because I, I know I would get that wrong, and and all, and all that. Like it's like yeah, you can always do the Joss Whedon thing. It's like oh, why don't you write a woman as a man and you'll be fine. It's like no, because that's not right. <laughs> that's all. Mm. And you can see see the fact that 
um nowadays that that is for gauche and doesn't doesn't really make sense it's like yeah you can make it make him a tomboy it's like no 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 sometimes you need that f uh, feminine fatale sort sort of happening that's why that's why um barbie is so good is because it's written for women <laughs> mm. and uh the the have you he have you heard about that joke that um Barbie is to no if if Black Panther was for uh black people Barbie is for straight white women hmm. you can sort of see it it's like yeah it's sometimes mm. movies aren't for me <laughs> like for me not <laughs> for me and yeah, and yeah. I, I I do enjoy that nowadays these stories are sort of coming into the ether and and with this I don't think there's going to be much queer baiting as well. I mean, um, mm. I, I will go into the tangent of shipping as well. Like shipping yes. can be absolutely toxic, and it can also ruin mm -hmm. a franchise as well. Um, mm. especially if the, uh, person who's writing this, writing like a show or anything like that is, is influenced by, uh, fan, uh, fan interactions as well. And I can definitely see, uh, how this did have an effect, uh, especially with the, this show, like, um, I've only heard like, like I'm not on Tumblr, like, um, I've got better things to do um but but there are there were certain people that absolutely found the ending for this absolutely abhorrent and they didn't like it because they wanted to see their characters that they have in their mind um together and live happily it's like that's not really mm. a relationship you are putting this particular relationship it could be gay it could be straight it could be anything uh, this particular thing on a pedestal and the hoping of the shipping uh, can be not right for the actual uh, content that you're trying to do. Like like going to Star Wars with the Raylo. <laughs> I am not surprised mm. that a lot of people did laugh when he, when he and she kissed for the first time and he died. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> that relationship did not make sense. <laughs> no, not not it. It didn't have to be romantic. Like I, I, I can understand why people did ship and do ship that. Still, fair enough. But I never read it as romantic mm, mm. when I when I was watching the Last Jedi and the scenes where they're you know mind melding. Um, it didn't ever strike me in that way. So it was very interesting that they chose to kind of pursue that and. Yeah, and it did really feel like a response to the fandom, like mm, you're saying. Mm. And, um, and I'll yeah. go back to what we're talking about, good omens. Um, yeah, it, uh, the relationship between Crowley and uh, uh, Aziraphale is pretty much a romantic, uh, a rom like in all sense of the words, a romantic relationship. It, it's it's got nothing mm. to do with sex. It's got it's just the company of what you keep is a romantic thing. Like they've been on earth for mm -hmm. 6,000 years because that's how old the earth is. <laughs> if we're going by that logic, the and Bible. going by the Bible, yeah. because the Bible is real, of course. 
<laughs> of course. Of course. It, was, it was created like 6,000 years ago. Mm, okay. Enough uh, said mm. about that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and these creatures are human, and they are definitely influenced by human nature, and that, that in itself has formed into a, rela- a, a romantic relationship and you get to see it with these other characters falling in love or sort of falling in love and mm. and yeah and I don't like shipping and that's the final thing I'm going to say <laughs> like yeah, I, yeah, like no, if anyone I, shipped yeah. um, Sydney and Buckethead it's like <laughs> no don't do that to me. Don't give no. me that added pressure. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, I th- yeah, it's. I see the pros and cons to shipping. Um, I really do. I I have, you know, engaged with many different ships over my time in my fandom experience and. I know the difference between healthy shipping and unhealthy shipping, and I've seen what comes of both. Um, you know, healthy shipping, you get amazing pieces of fan art and fan fiction and... Eroticism. And just, you know, love. <laughs> yeah. And erotic... Yeah, eroticism. That's a thing. Um, but, you know, you get a lot of positive, like, things to come out of, you know, healthy shipping. But unhealthy shipping, that's when you're you're going into, like, these people who can't suspend reality from fantasy um and they have to have it their way and they will harass the creators of these characters and you know and then or they will just be so rampant so adamant you get things like what happened with the rise of skywalker um and i'm sure there's another example um of stuff but like it just there's just it's it's like every fandom doesn't even have to be shipping but like fans can just take it to the nth degree of just Insanity. Misery, anyone? Um, yeah, yeah, literally, literally misery. Like she is she, Annie Wilkes. <laughs> Annie Wilkes. If is Annie the Wilkes was unhealthiest here today, she would be on shippers. Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> she would be unhinged on Tumblr. My God. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I'm the and the other problem is, I suppose, is because the negative voices tend to be the majority because they're the loudest, you know, that their voices carry very far and the creators do hear that. And I'm really glad that Neil Gaiman is, like you said before, like he's, he's done a really cool thing by engaging with the fans, by being on a platform like Tumblr, that's very much devoted to fandom um, and people expressing their opinions on fandom. And he's not, he's definitely taken inspiration from what people saw when they watched the show in the season one or what they got from it when they read they've read especially with the books yeah and but he yeah but he hasn't let it i think he's let it inform his choices for what he's done with aziraphale and, and crowley but he hasn't like done it to the exact like you were saying yeah like he hasn't done it to the exact way that the he thinks yeah. the fans would want to give them their happy ending. No, he's made it something that felt really natural. Yeah. I think like if it, it feels, it doesn't feel forced. Like, cause in season one, like the reason people started shipping them after they watched the show was because of 
the way they're written there. And you can see that they have a relationship, like whether neither of them is going to admit yeah. how they feel about each other, you, you can pick up on it. So it hasn't come out of nowhere. And it's disappointing to see that there was a, there was some negative. I haven't really seen any of the negative stuff, thankfully. But you know, obviously, there's going to be negative feedback when you're talking about, you know, your two leads being in love with each other, and they're both men. Well, yeah. Um, apparently, you know, that's apparently some people don't like that. But uh, I don't. Um, yeah. So it's. But yeah. I mean, I mean, pe- people who are conservatives. They wouldn't be watching us in the first place because you know it's making fun of the no. it's making sort of making fun of religion. It's it's that old saying saying. So yeah. they're not going to watch it anyway. And with gay overtone, uh, gay overtones and undertones, um, it doesn't really matter if what they think. It's more it's more to do it's more to do no. with the people who are really invested into this and and yeah, mentally the people who, who are mentally like connected to to this as well and. Any form of anything outside of their sort of uh, feelings and that sort of oh I don't like this I need to I need to let it be known. Yeah, like it has to be it has to be what they envision, Um, and it can't be anything different. And it pisses me off too because I'm like, if that's how you feel, write a fanfic about it. I mean, what are you talking about? That's why fan fiction is a thing. Like, do you know how many people, when Loki happened, how many people were shipping Loki and Mobius versus how many people were shipping Loki with Sylvie? And he ended up with Sylvie. And that didn't even end up in a thing. I mean, who knows? But, like, people want Loki and Mobius to be a thing. And I never really got that. But I'm happy to ship it because I'm like, oh, it's yeah. cute. You know, they're great, you know, buddy yeah. cop duo. But, like, the, the fallout from that, like, I made it. I actually made a post myself on Tumblr, not to go on a tangent, but I made a post about it because I was so, I don't, you probably remember, but I was very passionate about that show for other reasons than Tom Hiddleston. But the fact that they decided to make Loki canonically bisexual um, and he came, you know, he had the whole scene and everything and it was, uh, you know, it was very casual and natural. It wasn't like, look at me, you know, it was great. It was so well done. And then, everyone cracked it because he ended up with Sylvie over Mobius and, and they were saying, how dare you queer bait us and by saying he's bi and then having him hook up with the woman. I'm That's like, what bi- do you guys know what bi... Se- yeah, do you know what As bisexual means? As a white man, even I know the difference. Oh. But- yeah, and it's all- like it pissed me off I mean, so also I find it... I'm on the same campus, like, really? Uh, uh, what is this relationship, you know? <laughs> it's not yeah. incest. I'm not saying that. It's st- still a bit <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned it in my post. I was like, whatever your thoughts are on self-cest or, you know, that, whatever. Self-love. Know, that debate Everyone aside. Has, uh, self-love. It's, it's, it's healthy. Self-love. It's not gay. Um, it's a form of masturbation. Anyway, exactly. It's fine. Anyway, um, but yeah, I like. Long story short, I'm just glad that yeah, Neil Gaiman took on board. I think what the fans were looking for in the show, but didn't yeah. give in to them. Completely. I think. I, I think that. his form into that sort of thing because a lot of his stuff, like even before the internet, a lot of his stuff is sort of like gay parables as as well. I, I mean, right. even Coraline 
is is sort of like um, finding yourself and understand understanding that sometimes your sometimes your life doesn't need to be like this particular way, and that's definitely a definitely a gay parable in in my books. I mean, I I don't really know. I'm I'm straight as a slinky. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I, I like the term yeah. sparkle straight. Yeah, sparkle straight. <laughs> um, I am straight, but Amazing. I do, uh, you know. Sometimes I watch Jason Momoa and it's like, hmm, hello. <laughs> you're, you're straight, but you appreciate. Uh, I appreciate the form. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes not my own. <laughs> I suppose we need to talk about the kiss. Yes, I, w- I was going to say we should talk about that um, before we uh, wrap up. I love um, you, Fulia. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but you are quite wrong. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I, not to talk about Tumblr again, but and I saw another post that specifically caught, like said it was awful. And the person was like, I love that it was an yeah. awful kiss. It yeah. wasn't meant to be, especially for a first kiss. Everyone, everyone remembers no. their first kiss. So it was a harrowing sort of situation sometimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could forget mine sometimes, but anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, Triggered. no, you're fine. <laughs> as, as in, Triggered. sorry for remembering, no, no. Not, not that you and I, you know, internet's weird. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, I'm glad, uh, again, I'm, that's another reason why I think I'm glad that Neil didn't give in to the fans. And like, I didn't even think it was going to happen. Like, I love, like I said earlier, that whole scene, the way it's, it's, it's written and plotted out and you just feel the tension and you know what, what, what Crowley was going to say. And then Aziraphale comes in and then everything just goes to shit. And then it's just the two of them fighting for each other and Crowley giving up and being like, well, we're at a stalemate here. We can't, we can't, I can't go with you and you're not staying with me. Um, but then the fact that he's like, he, you know, before I go, here's what you are missing out on. Here's what, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so angry at you, but I can't, I have to, you know, I have to do this to, cause I'm just, uh, like, it's a, it's a real fuck you sort of a kiss mm. in that way, I think. And it was very like, ah, it was just really well done. It was such a good choice to do it in that sort of like intense emotional way of like Crowley swinging back around and just taking his hands in his face and like, yeah, he's facing his hands rather, and just, you know, no, 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 like, like you said, it's not sexual. It's romantic, but it's it's not sexual. There's no, there's passion, but it's not sexual. And then afterwards, for like a zero fail, just in pure zero fail fashion, like we see that like, you know, touch he makes to his lips to be like, oh my god, that happened, and oh my god, what am, what am I doing? What have I done? Sort of thing. Like it just, ah, it was. I was nearly crying, to be honest. I was like, "This is so much." <laughs> mm. <laughs> this it was, it was yeah, it was just it w- perfect. 
the whole thing. But yeah, be- beautiful no, was it not? <laughs> it was a. Tr- that's no. This is what re- this is what like re- relationships are. They're messy and they're hor- horrible and they're chaos. It can't. It can't. You can't mm. have and. You can't have that Richard Curtis kiss in the rain, because that's not real, and we're sort of set up with that. No. And and the last, it's the last ditch attempt. It's like like it's like all emotion and 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 no thinking, and that yeah, and that kiss was, it, yeah, it it's definitely a um an emotional breather, but. The including including the score that was behind it was sort of off off kilter yeah. as well. It's like you know that ever people want this to happen, like including me. It's like it's like these these um these people that the these people need to be happy. It's just you can't be happy, and because cause, things are slipping away and you can't be with this person because they want to go to one place and the other place and it's and it's just be with me we could have been us and the writing in this is so fantastic uh, it's like i forgive you don't mm-hmm. bother i mean you can <laughs> you can tell that there was huge emotion behind the writing of this and as well as the sort of um as well as the sort of character work that these actors were doing, I mean, Ma- Michael Sheen and and David Tennant uh, are kindred spirits, and it was just a match made in heaven <laughs> with with the <laughs> first thing. And also, obviously, people who who watch this also went on to watching um, um, staged as well because of their mm. dynamic and their their sort of bouncing off each other it's like it's not it's just amazing and then and it's mm. the thing where um contextually you're rooting for these for these characters as well as you're rooting for the people who are playing them as well it's such a weird dynamic that you you rarely get <laughs> it's it's sort of the thing where mm. um with the Kinetto trilogy and talking about Simon Pegg again but the Kinetto trilogy <laughs> is like you see Nick Frost and you see Simon Pegg, Pegg and their relationship is within these characters, within these three not connected m- movies. Like the only connection is a Kinetto, but the but their relationship, how they they go from buddy buddy and they and they and and then the fi- final movie is them fighting against each other. And you don't want to see that because mm. you just enjoy mm. these these characters as well as these actors like working together at the same time, and you just don't want to see that. And yeah, it's it's amazing. And I saw a um an interview with them, uh, not to go on a tangent, but I saw an interview with them, and they and they said uh, they they want to work together like like throughout time, and. And the one who's stage players, like yes, I want to see them do "Waiting for Godot." Be- because right. because su- such an amazing duo to do that and do it well, um, like a couple of years ago, um, uh, Ian McKellen and and Patrick Stewart did it, like not too not too long oh. ago, and that's because <laughs> they're sort of like 
an internet couple as well as well as being magneto and dr Ex- uh, and charles xavier and 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 just their mm-hmm. their relationship as well is, is transcended into the in- internet as well as michael sheen and 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 david tennant it's amazing and and then just seeing them like inter interaction with each other it's it's it, it, it's it's a weird it's a weird relationship when when you sort of know the sort of backstory behind behind them and yeah and and yeah and i just and the sort of um f- uh f- film photography that they did for this last bit where where Crowley's just where where you just see their face and how it's absolutely harrowing and um Crowley just scowling and just driving and just going straight and Aziraphale going up in into the heavens and his face is like he's he's putting on that smile and it's such a mm-hmm. thing to behold mm. yeah I have mad, mad respect for the choice to have that be you, over your credits. Mm. Like to have show the two of them in the aftermath and both of them experiencing their grief over this, you know, um, sort of breakup situation, I guess. It's just, yeah, it was... It was garnishing. Yeah. Have you seen... Like, there's no yeah, dialogue at all, Space but Battle? like, oh my God. Like bits and pieces. No, I haven't. I haven't. It was a lot like Spaced. Especially, oh. the, especially the ending for Spaced. Um, where the, the first season... It, it goes in seasons. And the first season is them trying to put on a show through throughout the pandemic, and it was all based on Zoom and all, all that. And then the second, oh, you talking about stage? That's Simon Pegg again. Fuck yeah! So stage. Yes. Have you? Have you <laughs> let's go back. Edit. Edit point. Have you seen staged? I haven't seen staged, but I know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, as, again, it was a lot like staged, where it was just right. them. Their, their faces and it's like the ending of stage that they wow. they <laughs> they they wanted to keep doing the show but it was weird because they formed this relationship online <laughs> and i don't know if it's real or not but it it's sort of sort of surreal that they had to stop doing this because it was unhealthy <laughs> So and it and that last shot definitely reminded me of staged and it just brought me up as like wow. oh my god this is this shot is beyond this is beyond everything and it definitely made me and it definitely yeah. made me feel that staged is the connection point between <laughs> it's like an unnecessary sequel to the good almonds it's of, of a TV yeah. show, and it and them doing this definitely made me think there is more to the story than what we have. And I'll be there front row if it's going to be a movie or is it, or it's going to be another TV show or even a book. I'll definitely be watching. 
I'm yes. hooked, lined, and sinkered. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think we have much else to discuss, really. I think that's probably a good way to wrap yeah. this up. Yeah, I can't wait for a third season. Obviously, we don't know if it's happening. And like, like you said, you know, whatever form it takes, if it's going to take a form. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it's going. Um, and it's going to be gut-wrenching. <laughs> good stakes, though. Very good the stakes. Second I like it. I like We are going to get coming. the rapture, yeah. everyone. Yeah, Yay! we're going to have all the saved souls... <laughs> Up in heaven and all the rest are going to be running around trying not to get pulled down to hell. Revelations yep. is real. <laughs> yeah. True story. <laughs> so instead of uh, <laughs> the devil's son, it's going to be Jesus uh, part two. Yes. Jesus yeah. the sequel. But the way that the world's going, I, I, I don't blame. Hmm. You know, no. Stop the world. I want to get on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um yeah. It was it was great. The ending the ending was great. The rest of it was good. Uh, <laughs> uh but yes, Good Omens season 2. Um it's on Amazon Prime. If you want to check it writers. out. Pay your writers. Pay your writers. Yeah, pay them. Who all. knows if pay we're going to get a third season until, until the rise strike finishes? But the way things exactly. are going, we we'll probably won't see it until 2026. Yeah, it's going to be a while. But then, you know, we did wait four years for this, so 2026 is yep. okay. Well, we got we got staged, so <laughs> we can d- the tie's over. We got staged in between. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hopefully, the they can maybe return to that at some point. But then again, I don't know. I don't Who want knows? to go through another pandemic. Thank you. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> cool. All right. So that's Popcorn Culture done. Our thoughts on uh, Good Omens Season 2 with full spoilers. Hope you guys mm. enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think um, that's the show. We've got no more show no to show. No more show to show. No more show to show. All right. And, and that, that was a podcast, was a podcast called, called Fred. Fred. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yes. So remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest Fred content. If you'd like to listen to Fred the Alien, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to watch the Fred the Alien, head on over to youtube.com slash Productions. And if you're on Twitch right now, give us a follow. And if you're on the, if you're on the other stuff, you can also follow us on that as well. Uh, YouTube, subscribe, ring the bell icon, and remember, life only begins when you're happy. What? <laughs> and every day it's a hit because uh, I've been a candidate. And I've been the Buddy Holly himself from Michael Lister. <laughs> and you and just, just experienced experience a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast called, called Fred. Fred. Uh, mm. 
Yes. Remember Ooh. to eat a beef. Remember, Freddy lives. Loki dies again and again and again. You can't wait, can you? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, seeing him slip and die and slip and die and no. slip and die. No, so much, and die. so much dead. No, <laughs> so much dead. <laughs> Look after yourself and your mental health. Yes. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. The latest days. And, and see. see. Nah.